Hey, hey, Mrs. Mrs. Deathly. Hello. What room of the house are you least likely to find a ghost in? Oh, uh, I don't know. The living room. Hello. Hello. I'm, I'm so sorry about that. That was almost near forgivable. Dorian, your jokes are terrible. They're to die for. You're going to have to stop. Oh, I don't know if I can. I make no promises. If you want people to listen to your podcast. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Maybe that's what they're here for, though, is the Some terrible, people terrible do jokes. like your puns. They do like a good mm-hmm. pun, don't they? They do like a good pun. Um, welcome, friends, to the Deathly Dark podcast. My name is Dorian Deathly. And I am Mrs. Deathly. Dee Dee Deathly, if Mrs. you were. Dee Dee Deathly. It's up to you. Whether we're friends you, here. We're all friends. You can decide whether it's uh, the initials for something more sinister or whether <laughs> it's just Dee Dee. Let's not explore that any further. How are we? Welcome to the very first episode of the Deathly Dark podcast. This is something that people requested, isn't it? Yeah, quite a lot actually. Yeah, people like the people love to hear your dulcet tones and your chirruping tweetings. We'll see, won't we? Yeah, maybe. I think people like to see me every now and then, but whether they'll like to hear me, well, that remains is, to be seen. We're going to find out about, it, aren't we? We wanted to sort of spice things up a little bit. What is this show going to be? Who knows? Let's find out. We don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows. All we know is at the core of it, ghosts. Ghosts and creepy stuff. Things that go in the night. <laughs> One of our cats. On my stomach after too much cheese. <laughs> Terrifying sounds that should never be heard in the still witching hours. But what are we going to be talking about tonight? Let's um, let's talk about that in a little while. First of all, we should probably introduce ourselves in a more formal manner and who we are and what we do. We've said our names, but what are we? What are we? What do we do? Awkward silence. <laughs> Awkward silence. Well, I'm a tour guide. Uh, I, I like using the term, I'm a tour guide and educator, because it sounds like it's got more weight behind it. Maybe people will take me a little bit more seriously. Um, and together with Mrs. Mrs. Didi Deathly, we have recently found ourselves doing these rather bizarre internet-based things, haven't we? Hmm. Yeah, because we were suddenly unemployed. Yeah. Like so many in the world. Quick quick fire unemployed. Quick fire unemployed. So we don't talk about the before times anymore, do we, really? No. No, no. They're making a comeback, apparently. Apparently so, yeah. It's the end of July as we record this. I think it's a 20... Something <laughs> of July, which is uh, that's a lot better than it was a few months ago. It was like, what day is it? And you just kind of fall over. Mm. Whereas now it's like, we can kind of. I can tell you, it's a Thursday. Are you sure? I'm definitely sure. Yeah, it is. It it's, is. It's a Thursday. Feel, smell it. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. It's that's got, a it's Thursday got the, right it's got there. Whiff of a Thursday about <laughs> it for sure. Um, and yes, you got involved, didn't you? I did. Well, I actually spend my normal days 
as a manager at a cinema, which... An old cinema. ...is very old. It was built in the 1930s and I believe is haunted. Uh, so do a couple of other people that I've come across as yeah, well. More people than you have seen the thing that lurks inside of the Odeon Cinema of York. Well, yes. And that really brings us to I feel the like main... I wanna, I'm going to give you some spooky atmospheric music oh. when you talk about it. Hang on, wait. Ooh. Oh. Oh. That's really something. It isn't it? It's quite beautiful. Tell us a little bit about the Odeon Cinema. So it was born... She was born in 1937, I believe. And she was an Odeon back in the day. Still is an Odeon. As you may have noticed, the Odeon sign's still there, shining in the darkness when all the shops are closed. I do think it's one of the things I love is that... Everybody's at home. If anyone passes by the Odeon cinema, they... they, Is it a a listed sign? Yeah. So they can't fudge around it too much? They can't take the sign down, no. And so... My employer, Everyman, uh, decided to get around that by lighting up the E. So clever. In the middle of the word Odeon. And it's, whoever realised that, you know what I mean? The person that was stood at the bottom yeah. of that building and just went, wait. <laughs> Where Everyman. It's beautiful. There's a letter E. I mean, because if it was like the second letter or the fourth, it wouldn't have been, because it's in the middle. Bang in the she, middle. She or, is a beautiful girl. She a good looking Art deco building. Many, many people come into the cinema and ask about the history of the building. And I gladly tell them because I do. love it. Um, if anyone from the Odeon Cinema, uh, every man chain as it is now, is listening to us, let us in. <laughs> let us have a little wander around. <laughs> I've been begging That's Mrs. Deathly for We really want us to do it. We've got, we're insured. Just put it out there. <laughs> Let someone start a petition. Get a get a go sign me thing going, whatever they're called. Go <laughs> haunt me. Mrs. Deathly's shaking. Go haunt me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you're just shaking your head like, no, 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 no. no. Let, it it go. It, it's let it go. Let it go. Let it go. I'm going to sneak in there one day after hours. You're, you're, yeah, I'm going to wait till you're locking up. I'm just going to slip in while you're setting the alarm code off. You're quite go, big. No, no, no. I'll notice you. I can tuck. And there's an alarm. I should point out there is an alarm. I'll just watch the code. <laughs> I'll get it out of you. Waterboard you to get it out of you. Oh. <laughs> that sounded terrible. This I'm not this is like a reflection of our relationship in a terrifying way. Um but yeah, you got involved and you've been you've become an integral part of what I'm doing because before this obviously yeah. I was like wandering off and doing my ghostly tours on the ghost bus and yeah, I would just disappear into the night in my long black coat and then a few hours later, I'd come back looking slightly dishevelled and knackered. And you'd be like, how was it? And I'd be like, it's fine. It's <laughs> fine. It's quite chaotic running the ghost bus. Yes, um, certainly sounds the, this, <laughs> this new version of the tours that we've ended up doing is, is much more pleasant, isn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lovely um, sense of community about it all. We've got some lovely people online that follow everything you do. Everything we do. Everything we do, my darling, Mrs. <laughs> Didi Deathly. Um, but no, obviously, uh, on and, and and when we did the first one, you were I, th- I suppose when we, for anyone that watched the tours, the first one that we did was just before we all got locked away, mm-hmm. and y- you would lur- you would lurk in the background like a terrifying figure because <laughs> you were up. you were monitoring what was going on because yes. we were a little hesitant about the technological side of it. And all. I didn't actually intend to be involved in no. any other way than but people were like who's that behind you and i was like oh it's mrs deathly and everyone was like oh, 
Mrs. Dudley. We they, want to see more, Mrs. Dudley. The world fell in love with you. And, Careful and what you wish for. There you are. Now we just can't get you out of the way. <laughs> out of the way. I'm I'm voting for a Mrs. Deathly tour. Oh, really? I film you. Well. You tell them the history and I'll, we'll flip it. I mean. I've sprung it on you, haven't I? Yeah, I, I'd love to do that, actually. <laughs> However, Let's make it happen. I am not very good at remembering things. You know this. Take a book with you. I well, do. I mean, people, people often say to me, how do you store all that in your mind? I'm like, it's written down. <laughs> I mean, you know, I have that quick retention. Like I can glance at a page and I mm-hmm. can quickly, which I, I surprised myself with in the last yes, tour that we that did. is quite yeah. unnerving. It was, wasn't it? I'd be like, I just glance and... Immediately. It's just having that comfortable, that little blanket there. Lovely, lovely York. Lovely York. Speaking of York, York, eh? York Whoa. is the reason we're here. It is. York is what made it all happen. Many people enjoy what we do but i think it's fair to say that york is a massive part of it isn't it mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's like the the third star she's alive she's alive she's alive if you don't know much about york fix it Two thousand years of history spooky history mm. spooky bloodstained Gruesome, miserable history horrible history in parts oh terry dreary's on the phone <laughs> copyright <laughs> all right tez, mm-hmm. right, tez d how are you how are you? Now, um, yeah, we're going to have a little bit of a play around with the format of these. The idea was that, like the tours, they would feel like an informal chat, a little bit of a waffle, and we just get together and hang out and spend some time together. So top up your wine, make yourself a lovely cup of tea, or hot beverage of your choice, turn the lights down low, and enjoy the stories we're going to share with you tonight. We're going to be talking about... Tell us, Mrs. D, what are we going to be talking about tonight? We're going to be talking, first of all, about our first spooky memories. Seem fitting, as it's our first show. Yeah, very much. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about some stories that our viewers and listeners have sent in through Facebook or email. Thank you, friends. Thank you. Um, We've got a lovely little interview in the middle. Um, we're going to recycle um, some of the interviews that have featured on the Tales from the Fireplace, because whereas they've been quite popular, a couple of hundred people tune in to watch them, there's close to 3,000 people on this page now. Um, so chances are some people will hear them for the first time. And I think it's like, you know, the, all the stories that we've had have been fantastic by their own right. But some of them have really stood out as mm-hmm. genuinely creepy. So um, whereas this whole podcast, as we record it, has been going into like a smart little gadget and we're mixing it all together live, like a radio show, uh, some of the stuff will be pre-recorded. And that one tonight will be Jimmy Johnson's story, Graveyardologist based up in Ooh. Edinburgh. He shared a magnificent story. With I love with that her. story. It's great, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's genuinely a creepy story. I'm a big fan of it. Uh, and then we'll be talking about, what's oh, that one? when we went to Edinburgh. Oh, yes. Yeah, and yes. we went on a little ghost walk. We, we flipped it around, didn't we? We became tourists. Yeah. Didn't we just? We did. We tour, tourists Tourist hard. Hard tourists. Yeah. When we go away, we do. We, tourists we, to the max. We are professional tourists and we did we did the um what were they called old reeky tours yes yes down in the vaults Mm -hmm. it was a vault and graveyard tour that we did god it was wasn't it Mm -hmm. it was it was maybe we can splinter off into the uh when we did the ghost bus tour up in edinburgh as well oh yeah because we did the graveyard walk in there with tommy terror and then of course we're going to talk about briefly like the tour that we did recently we did the after dark virtual tour um not just to you know shamelessly yank our own socks off and talk about spooky things but there were a couple of things that happened during the tour that we're going to talk about and then you can actually go back and watch them in the tour afterwards and make up your own mind what you see and then we'll have a wee chat about what we're going to be doing 
over the next few months. Uh, the plan is to get one of these out every second Sunday, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's going to be the gap, so quite low tech. So we're going to end up doing a tour or a fireplace stream one Sunday, and then the Sunday after that will be a podcast, and then there'll be a tour and a fireplace stream and a podcast, etc., etc., etc. So there'll be something happening from the Deathly Stables every single Sunday night for the foreseeable wow. future. you lucky people. Let's have a quick breather, shall we? We'll just catch our breath. So, a few nights ago, we did our live tour of Haunted York. After Dark. After Dark virtual tour of Haunted York. And it is available to watch on Facebook for freezies. But there was a couple of incidents. There were a couple of incidents that took place during the tour, weren't there? Yeah. Well. Well. Firstly, if you were watching it, you'll know, because it probably freaked you out as well. But um, we were around the side of the York Minster just where the stonemasonry yard is and when we're looking through the gates talking about some of the stonework that was in there from the building behind us which i really need to look into i have looked into it yes so this building is um it's it's got a big red door and it's part of the minster school Okay. It's, it's a part of Minster School, which at the moment is closed, and it, 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 the lights were all off. It was pitch black. There was no evidence of anybody in there. Which makes it even scarier, even scarier. what happened. Through a mid-flow on the stream, and suddenly, from behind us, behind the red door... You did, you did an extra one. Did I? There was, there three. was just the three. Boom, boom, boom. It was terrifying. There was uh, no noise following it, like no. s- nobody laughing or shuffling. No uh, movement in the windows, no lights. The, the chat in the stream lit up because everybody else heard it, and you could tell the reaction from us was genuine. My eyes just... Your eyes watered. Glossed over. I lost my it train of thought horrible. for a brief moment. Yeah, it was just odd. It was odd. I, I'm, I can't decide, like, either way, like, if there was something else in so if there was something you know inexplicable then that's magnificent for us it's it's a great occurrence and then on the flip side if it was simply a member of staff or a caretaker that was in there watching the tour waiting for that moment to strike i mean well done to them yeah it was such <laughs> it was so wonderfully done because it worked like we we just fell apart we both just kind of went and you can actually check it out you can you can go to the stream it's on the facebook page it's the one that's called the 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 virtual tour after dark tour and there's a genuine moment it'll be about 40 minutes in 40 minutes in we just Mm kind of yeah we just broke a little bit and then as if that wasn't bizarre enough this is something that we didn't notice on the tour but we got a message off um who was it from trisha crane trisha crane message that she'd been watching the tour why don't you tell us what happened well (laughs) Approximately 47 minutes into the stream, we were outside the front of the Minster, and we saw a little fox, uh, which was very lovely, because you don't often see foxes around the Minster, with it being so quiet. He had a little run, and we followed him with the camera, and that was that. But as Trisha pointed out, if you watch on the right-hand side of the screen, as we follow the fox and come to a stop... 
there's what looks like a girl in a white dress just standing watching us and there was definitely nobody there so that is bloody terrifying this is my this is my spooky small girl it's my spooky small girl so if you if you have the time i would highly advise going to our after dark virtual tour of haunted york and skipping to about 40 minutes and watching from there you will see both these check them out terrifying experiences we've just discussed and uh, see what you think yeah let us know what you think ooh Welcome back, friends. So the first thing we're going to share with you tonight are a couple of listener stories. Now, this is a coincidence how this has happened. The listener stories. I've jumped ahead a section there. I know, I know, I know. But it's just a bit of paper. We can smash the rules. We'll do the we'll do the listener stories, then we'll do our spooky memories. How's that sound? That sounds good. Sounds Doreen. good. That sounds good. Thanks, Dee Dee Deathly. Much appreciated. Um, but yeah, we've ended up, haven't we, with a, with a father and son duo. Oh, we have. What a remarkable coinkydink that was. We just kind of pulled out, you know, we've had we get a lot of stories sent over to us, and we pulled out our favourite couple from this week, and it just so happens that. We've ended up with a bit of a twofer. I'm assuming they know that they've both sent stories in. I mean, in. maybe not. And this will be a wonderful treat where they kind of discover that they're both featuring on the first well, Deadly Dark Well, both of these podcast. stories are wonderful treats. They are wonderful treats. Now, you're going to be reading a story from... Richard. Richard. And I'm going to be reading a story from Robert. I believe that is correct. Now, Robert actually shared with us uh, a couple of stories. Um... The Haunting Tales of Two Ships. Now, I'm going to read one out tonight, and then I'm going to read the other one out on the next Tales from the Fireplace. So tonight I, I'll be reading The Lookout. right in thinking that these are things that actually happened to him? Yeah, the, any stories that we get are things that have happened to people. They're first-hand encounters with something of the otherness. Spooky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how's this music for you? Is this nice? Do you want, do you want this? Yeah? Well, I'm going to leave you to it. Give us, give us Richard's okay. story. Let's go. So, Richard uh, sent in the following over Facebook. Hi, Dozzardy. Hope you're well. I'd be wondering uh, if you'd be interested in some first-hand ghost experience from York. Of course, we jump at the chance for a listener story. We'll gobble them up. Yeah, like a hungry turkey. Um, he says... During my time at uni halls back in 2014-2015, I had a few run-ins with a little ghost girl. I stayed in Oliver Sheldon Court in Goodrick College at the University of York. Believe it or not, in room 237, the same room as in The Shining. The first few times I was aware of something always occurred after waking up from a heavy night's drinking. I always saw her right where my chair was, so I brushed it off as my mind playing tricks on me and nothing more. It wasn't until a few months and a handful of occurrences, as I'd stated before, that something changed. I woke up to my alarm sounding and got up to turn it off as it was at a desk away from my bed. 
I'd already properly come around before getting out of bed, and after switching off my alarm, I looked straight down. I saw very clearly someone's foot and a leg up to their shin. I immediately looked up and there was no one there. It was from this point onwards, things got weirder. My bathroom light, which was on a sensor, regularly turned itself on in the middle of the night when no one was anywhere near it, and the sightings became clearer and more frequent. She no longer stood where my chair was, and instead got closer each time. I was never particularly worried. I sensed no animosity from her. That was until what was luckily the last couple of weeks of my tenancy. My last sighting of her was face to face. She was right at the side of my bed when I woke up and she looked vicious. She was practically snarling. From that point on, it's safe to say I spent as little time in there as I could. I've not had any similar sightings since leaving that room. Oh no. (laughs) I mean, the face-to-face thing is intense. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like that. I can kind of draw a line like a parallel with that one it, it was a um it was a it was a, a dream that i had um when i lived in scarborough back in the late 2000s and i'd watched um some of those like japanese horror films j horror films i'd watched mm-hmm. i'd watched the grudge and then i watched maybe the grudge the ring the ring yes oh. and and i can't remember which one but one of the films features the the small japanese boy with the the white face and the dark eyes the grudge the grudge and I fell asleep and I woke up and clear as day he had his tiny little hands perched on the mattress and his little face just kind of just from the nose up peeking and he was about two inches away from my face and I woke up and I looked at him for about a minute and then I woke up again and he wasn't there and I think that's obviously that was for me that was a, it was a, one of those little waking nightmare kind of you, you, not not a waking nightmare but you're, you're having a dream but it's one of those ones that forms around that gave me the shivers. You know, it wasn't pleasant. It wasn't pleasant. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't. You know, the waking nightmare, which we'll probably talk about next episode when we listen to. Uh, maybe we'll, maybe I think maybe we'll do Chris's story next. Next podcast, which yeah. we'll talk. About, we'll, we'll not get a, not jump ahead of ourselves because we've not even finished the first one yet. Um, but he talked about waking nightmares and such, and you know, maybe that's one of those. Maybe that was one of those situations for Richard, or maybe not. Maybe something else something oh he can't quite explain whatever it was and it was it sounds where goodrick gate horrible is that what he said it was good good mm, obviously going no, no, goodroom gate julie gate goodrick uh, college goodrick college where is that university of york oh, okay okay yes yeah, so i went to the um i went to york st john university the poor the poor college as <laughs> it was University of York being um, very highly regarded. University of York St. John, perhaps not as much. It used to be uh, York St. John College of the University of York. Wow. And then they just just cast them aside. Get out. We have no time for you anymore. Oh, thanks, Richard, for sending that in. Not not pleasant, safe to say. Creepy. Well, I'm going to turn my attention now to Papa Payne's story. Robert Payne, who sent this in. Now, he's written this out, and it's, this is quite a lengthy one. Um, 
but stick with me because I think it's a cracking one. Uh, did you say I'm going to read out the longer one tonight and then the shorter one on? Yeah, okay. So I'm going to read out. He's uh, entitled the little booklet he sent me, The Haunting Tales of Two Ships. Tale one is The Lookout, and tale two is a concerned relative. Tonight you're going to get The Lookout. Okay, here we go. To start, a little explanation is required. The bridge of a ship comprises mainly of the wheelhouse and the chart room. The chart room is basically a large work surface as an island with the space of a wheelhouse, on which the chart or map for the area in which the ship lies open for navigation, surrounded by various navigational devices and equipment. At night, this area is separated from the wheelhouse by a curtain to stop the light in the chart room from interfering with night vision. Though a thick curtain, there are many chinks for light to gleam through, so the wheelhouse is rarely pitch black. The ship's position is regularly recorded on the chart. X marks the spot, so to speak. If there are navigational aids available, deep sea though, and far from land, there are no terrestrial references to establish the ship's position, so this is done by sun and star sights, if they are visible. This particular ship was fitted with a satellite navigator, a precursor to the GPS system of today. So whenever that bleeped, it had calculated a position from a passing satellite. The office of the watch, in this case, me, not me, Dorian, but obviously me, Robert, would note it and mark the position on the chart. Other than that, I would usually be strolling around, noting that things were still as they should be. And there was no danger of us bumping into anything solid. At night, between these strolls, I would be leaning on the window shelf at the front of the wheelhouse, drinking coffee and chatting to the watchkeeper as we both kept lookout. The ship in question was a VLCC, a very large crude carrier, otherwise known as a super tanker, 320,000 tonnes of dead weight. I was on the 12 to 4 watch, keeping the navigational watch from midnight to 4 in the morning and then midday until 4 in the afternoon. My nightly conversations with the watchkeeper were frequently broken as I turned around to look behind, having caught a glimpse of a silhouette of someone moving behind us reflected in the glass of the window. Usually no one was there, so conversation resumed. On the aft bulkhead behind the chart room there was a number of glass-fronted frames displaying some of the certificates that a ship is required to have, and I would often glimpse the silhouette of what looked to be an arm reaching out, reflected in the frame glass, but no shadows. On investigating, expecting it to be the captain and some quirk of light meant no shadows were cast, I would find no one. Occasionally, while working in the chart room, I would see someone out of the corner of my eye, but when I looked up, they would all be gone. At these times, I would often get the urge to go back into the wheelhouse to see what was happening. On doing so, I was to find out there was another ship out there. This continued for many nights, and the night stretched into weeks. Once it was happening so frequently that it started to get irritating, so suspecting that it was the watchkeeper just trying to annoy me, I immediately followed the fleeting glimpse, expecting to find the watchkeeper near the radar display units. He was out on the bridge wing, the open deck of the bridge that stretches itself out of the ship's side, at least 60 feet away from me, quietly singing to himself as the watchkeeper did. It was not only when there were two of us, though. The bridge was in darkness. One occasion was as we were mooring to a single point, while the lights of the wheelhouse were off, the curtains to the chart room were pulled back, and the deck lights were on, so the wheelhouse was well illuminated. For the operation, the watchkeeper was acting as helmsman, with another watchkeeper helping to keep everyone supplied with coffee, as the captain was also on the bridge with a local pilot and his assistant. There was also a, uh, there was also a, there was also there was also a cadet. 
I've, it's freaking me out a little bit. I won't lie. As I'm reading it out, I'm going, my mouth has got a bit dry. I'll start that one again. There was also a cadet, and a few of the wives on board were watching out of interest. Now, while I was engaged in a bit of radar plotting, I was suddenly aware of someone standing beside me. Thinking it to be the pilot, I said, just finishing this plot, pilot, and a few seconds later, stepped back to let the pilot view the radar screen. There was no one there. Everyone was at the other side of the wheelhouse, 20 or so feet away. Now, through all of this, I never felt alarmed or threatened. It was only when I'd finished some work in the chart room and gone back into the wheelhouse with the intention of continuing a conversation with the watchkeeper that things changed. The wheelhouse was empty. And where are you? I called out. I'm out here, was a distant reply from the bridge wing, and I'm not coming back in. I went out to be told by the very agitated watchkeeper, I've seen him. I've seen him. It turned out that he had also had a glimpse of someone from the corner of his eye. He turned to see a dark figure walking out from the far end of the chart room toward the radar displays. Thinking it was me, he was about to say something when the figure was, no, was suddenly no longer there. From then on, we only managed to frighten each other about it, but up until that point, I had never felt any threat at all from whatever it was, but felt that it kept a good lookout, as though it always alerted me to any new lights appearing on the horizon. Now, there was a rumour that someone had been killed off as they fitted the accommodation unit to the hull during one of the Three Sisters' constructions. The ship was built by Harland and Wolfe in Belfast in the 1970s, but unfortunately I have no idea how I would confirm that rumour. Can we just have a moment to recognise the writing there is magnificent? Whoa. Thank you very much, Robert, for sending that in. Now, there's another one, a concerned relative, that we're going to share in Tales from the Fireplace. Now, it's quite a lengthy story, a lot longer than the ones we usually read out, but it was so well written, I didn't want to cut it down at all. Mm. I just, yeah, taking the time to send that over. Thanks very much. That was lovely. Lovely. I mean, lovely. But also chilling. <sighs> now, if you have, uh, if you, I can't even talk. If you have, if you have, if you have any uh, ghostly stories or encounters and you would like to write them down in your own words and then hear myself or Mrs. Deathly read them out on the show, send them over to us. You can do it via the Facebook page or you can email, I still can't talk, I'm terrible. I am shook to the, shooketh to the core. Uh, <laughs> you can email them to doriandeathly at googlemail.com. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lovely stuff, lovely stuff indeed. I did a little interview yesterday with the Paranormal Burrito podcast. Such a good name. I love that name. And I said that I have noticed that when I'm doing my Dorian voices, I mean, obviously this is my voice, it's obviously what I talk like all the time, that when I have that small moment when I need to line up a new thought in my head, I say, very lovely, lovely, lovely indeed. So next time you watch me do a tour and you hear me go, lovely, lovely, indeed, any kind of arrangement of those words, it means that my brain, I don't even know I'm saying it, I've just gone elsewhere, I've just popped into my head just to kind of organise the next few things that I'm going to talk about. I hate to break it to you, Dorian, but okay. there are a couple of other things you say as well. Are there really? I don't. I wouldn't like to tell you. Oh no, I don't. If I, I haven't like put you off, I don't think I've noticed them yet. So maybe <laughs> leave, leave me be, leave me be. So I think we've been waffling for half an hour now already, wow. which is remarkable. Um, so we're going to take a little breather now, and we're going to we're going to we're going to let somebody else take the microphone for a short while. This is an interview that we recorded a few weeks ago with a good friend of ours from Edinburgh. It's Jimmy Johnson, and we are back with another 
spooky supernatural interview and this time I am joined by good friend and all-round legend Jimmy Johnson all the way from Edinburgh the second most haunted city in the United Kingdom is that fair to say I think that's I think that's fair to say yeah a close second after York so Jimmy Jimmy tell us a little bit about yourself and your history with the unexplained well I am uh something of a history buff by nature. I'm studying a PhD focusing on graveyards up in Scotland and my native Wales, and that's where this story comes from, because I've spent an inordinate amount of time in the spookiest of places, uh, in graveyards all across the UK, uh, and they have always been an interesting subject for me in my research. They're a place where there's a lot of mystery, there's a lot of supernatural stories associated with them, because you're, you're not likely to find more dead people squashed into a tiny area outside of a graveyard. A PhD, I mean, so that would that would uh, immediately make you the most qualified interviewee that I've had on this show by far. I mean, I, I, I do consider myself something of a, of a graveyardologist by profession, so... Yeah. You've yes. added real weight to this, uh, to this show. Thank you very much. So, yeah, without further ado, tell us your tale. Well, I'm going to tell you a tale of my first university field work when I was doing my degree back in the University of Liverpool and my field work took me to graveyards all over North Wales and one of them was a disused church and the story of the church is it was built for a little village in North Wales where they have a slate quarry and they dumped a thousand tons of slate onto their village church so obviously you can't use it when there's a thousand tons of slate blocking the door. So they built a temporary church in the woods just down the road in a little place called Bethesda. And the church was in use for about three years before they built a new proper church just down the road. But there are still around 50 to 75 gravestones in there and I thought it would be a perfect place for me to do my research. So I toddled off there one day in the height of summer it was July, it was around six o'clock in the evening. It was bright sunshine, which is incredibly rare for Wales. It was warm, which is even rarer. So I wandered through and found the graveyard. It was all overgrown, there was ivy climbing across all the angels, all the gravestones were cracked and falling over. Most of the names were illegible under a, a thick coating of undergrowth. And as I was walking between the gravestones, I got a sudden definite sense that I was being watched. So I stopped what I was doing and got myself ready to give my little, hello, don't worry, I'm a researcher. I'm not a creepy, spooky pervert standing in your graveyard, I promise. Speech ready. And there was nobody there. So I carried on working. I thought it was just some wind, some strange natural sounds, somebody walking their dog nearby or something like that. And a few minutes later, after I'd taken somebody else's name down and plotted it on my little map, I got the absolutely unmistakable feeling that somebody was coming towards me. I could hear footsteps crunching across the leaves that I'd just crunched across. I could hear the footsteps. I could feel the presence of somebody else nearby. So I stopped again, got my spiel ready and turned around. And once again, there was nobody there. And the feeling vanished immediately. After about 10 more minutes, the feeling came back, and this time there was a horrible chill in the air. The wind died completely. It got very cold very quickly. But this time the feeling wasn't just somebody approaching me, it was the feeling that I wasn't welcome anymore. Somebody didn't want me in that graveyard. 
I couldn't see anybody nearby, but I could definitely feel something was seriously wrong. And I've never been back there since. I will never go back there. Certainly not alone, and definitely not without permission from some higher power, because there is something seriously amiss in that graveyard. I can't put my finger on it, but I have been in at least 50 or 60 graveyards, and I've never had that feeling before, and I hope I never have it again. Just mm. spine tingling. Another fantastic storyteller as well, there, Jimmy. He really is. Mm. So Jimmy, Jimmy uh, is a, a very clever gentleman, um, and he also, as well as being a clever gentleman, uh, works as a tour guide up on the Edinburgh Ghost Bus. Whenever that returns, hopefully not too long. Mm. I think they're a little bit. We're, we're rumbling about perhaps bringing the York Ghost Bus and the London Ghost Buses back at some point in the next month or so. Um, safety measures pending. Whereas Edinburgh, I think their hands are tied because they are still with the two meter rule, whereas we're one meter plus. I hear the road closure as well that affects their. Yes, they can no longer start. From, they can no longer start from the same spot. So if you've been on the uh, Edinburgh Ghost Bus before and you think, well, we've done it, we've already done it. Chances are there's going to be an entirely new show put in place by Halloween. Mm -hmm. Watch that space. Well, so look at me plugging someone else's company. Come to York and go on the Dorian Deathly walking tour <laughs> instead. It's 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 fabulous. Yes. It doesn't exist quite yet, but it's going to be wonderful. Um, but speaking of Edinburgh, um, we do try to get up there every now and again, don't we? We love a little visit to Edinburgh, yeah. We do yes. love a little visit to Edinburgh. It's a beautiful city. I, uh, I lived up there for a short while, and uh, I incorrectly believed that I was born there for several decades as well. Oh, Dorian so tragic there's a whole other story there isn't there maybe not for tonight um now the last time we went we as we mentioned earlier on we played tourist and we went on what was the name of the tour that we did it was one of the old reeky tours old it was reeky. the vault and graveyard tour oh it's fantastic oh but i remember standing there at the bottom of the royal mile um on a cold autumn night it was close to Christmas, actually, wasn't it? Maybe no, I think normally it was November, October, November. We pop up there, isn't mm. there? Um, Christmas market time. Yeah, of course it is. Yes, yes. We go and eat ourselves silly in the Christmas markets. <laughs> um, but we were stood waiting for this tour to start, and it got to a point where there were a handful of other people standing there, and we weren't even sure if it was going to happen because it was quite late, wasn't it? Was it like nine, ten o'clock at night? Yes. Which for a walking tour is quite a late time to start. Well, you know, it's going to be creepy though. And that's the thing, I, I think I'd like to do dark, like if I start doing my walking tours, I think I'd like, I prefer later, mm -hmm. later and darker and creepier. I think it's something very odd about doing the a ghost tour. The ghouls come out when it gets dark. I, you know, I, I, I only go out when it's dark because I'm a ginger person, so, you know, <laughs> the daylight frightens me. I'm a day walker. Mm -hmm. I can go out in the daytime, but I prefer not to. <laughs> um, but yeah, we were stood there, weren't we, sort of umming and ahhing. There's maybe a dozen people by the end of it. Mm-hmm. And then this chap appeared, and do you remember what he was wearing? Like, he was he wearing a hoodie? Yeah, hoodie, jeans, and a leather jacket. And we were a bit like, oh, disappointed. You judged a book by its cover. I did. I judged a tour guide by uh, by his by his by his trousers. By his cover. By his cover. Um, 
you know me when I do my tours. I have, I have, I'm very well turned out. Constantly playing around with my costumes and stuff. And I, I have a, obviously when the tour guides on the bus that I run don't put a lot of effort into how they look. I'm like, come on now, friends. <laughs> Who doesn't like dressing up and being a bit daft? But what a storyteller he was. It was fantastic, wasn't it? I could, wish I could remember his name. Um, yeah. It made me a little sad. We were the only ones to tip him as well. Oh. Do you remember? I do remember. I gave him a fiver at the end and he was like, oh, he seemed really surprised and taken aback by it, which I, was, I thought was a... If you ever do a walking tour or a bus tour, tip your tour guide. Tip your tour guide. That's it all takes a lot of effort, doesn't it? Does it does take a lot of effort, you've yeah, got to yeah, yeah, yeah. Have your wits about you. Chances are, as well, if it's a walking tour, you've probably not paid that much. You've probably paid five pounds or something mm-hmm. for an hour and a half entertainment. And I tell you what, it doesn't make it doesn't make a difference, especially on like the on the ghost tours. When we do the yeah. ghost bus, we get paid a set fee. So when people do decide to drop a, a quid or two in the hat at the end of the night, if there's 40, 50 people on the bus. That's it makes such a difference to. To, to how we feel about doing the job because it's, yeah. it's it's hard work it's hard work all jobs are hard <laughs> and I suppose at the moment tour guide is probably not the most important role in the universe well, you know I, it's entertaining for sure but I it, don't think yeah entertainment's well, important at a time like this though yeah yeah when you've got nothing going on that's true as I mean the things stuff the, you me, all you the people that came better. to the last tour virtually sure will attest to i suppose so yeah obviously at the moment there's a whole thing about whether you know the the the, the arts and theater and stuff how it's going to thrive and i suppose spooky theater you know somebody dressed in a black trench coat running around on a ghost bus is probably you know it's probably not the most essential thing at the moment but the distraction is but a, a well thing. turned out gent walking around the streets of york mm. with a selfie stick and a glossy suit yeah, it's such I a glossy suit. I'm not sure if the glossy suit will... Re- uh, maybe I'm going to retire that glossy suit. I wasn't a fan of it. it was one of the, I, I won't I, entertain this. <laughs> put it on and I was immediately like, I have regret. I like a flappy coat. You know this. You do but like a too, flappy it's coat, It's too warm for a flappy coat. Too warm indeed. But yeah, back to the, um, the tours. So um, we went down underneath the Royal Mile. You don't know Edinburgh as well as I do. I don't. Um, well, I do a bit more since we went Yes. Last I lived there for a little while and I rolled around in the history and obviously, as I said, believed I was um, from Edinburgh for a long time, which I'm sadly not. That's weird. That's a weird point in my life. But um, we met this chap at the bottom of the Royal Mile and we went off on a little walk. And usually we did. We went to some graveyards. Is that right? Yes. I, don't, I don't remember going into a graveyard. With we them. I remember. went to the graveyard very close to Greyfriars Bobby. Yes, the small doggy. Yes. Small doggy statue with his worn down nose. Yeah, his little nub nose. He's got a shiny nose. Where I believe that's the graveyard that J.K. Rowling got a lot of her character names. Yes, from. yes. Well, from yes. the grave. Did you take us in there? We went outside it because it was locked wasn't it i think yeah. it was it was a little bit locked yeah and he told us some stories some spooky stories okay that's interesting it's weird i don't remember that bit it's probably because of what happened later on in the tour that got me so we went into it was odd because we didn't pay for it first of all we met the guy and we were sort of ready to to cough over the money and he kind of just we just started and we went <laughs> off and we were like oh 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 have we missed something and it wasn't until we got round. Uh, underneath the bridges um, and came up Nidri Street past the Banshee Labyrinth that we went into a little box office and there was a there was a chap sat behind the desk roll up cigarette hanging out of his mouth and his 
all right. <laughs> five pounds. Five pounds. <laughs> Brilliant. So we gave him the money and then we went into a weird room. Oh, the torture room. Yeah, it was a room and it was full of like 15th, 16th, 17th century torture devices. Um, some of them used on very personal areas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The old chappy chopper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The old Johnson jammer. Does it? <laughs> I love stuff like that. The button not, oh, basher. No, not like that. I love Careful them, now. like the old torture devices. It's it's horrible, isn't mm. it? But it's so interesting. Creative. Some of the stuff that people used to do to each other is um Wow. Yeah. Before YouTube was a thing. Before TikTok. Are you, are you saying that it took the invention of YouTube <laughs> and TikTok to stop people from tearing each other's fingernails out with pliers? Well, you can't compare it, can you? I mean, everybody, you know, I suppose it was entertainment. Oh, That's the thing, we talk about that. And we're going to talk about that more on the um, Deathly Deeds and Mysterious Ooh, Murders yes. tour in a, in a few weeks' time, which is a, a tour that I'm going to be doing around York, and it's going to be talking about all the more horrible diseases and plagues and pestilences and... My my favourite thing to talk about, in, in and I've mentioned it briefly, it's going to be the pigeon poultice. If you're wondering what a pigeon poultice is, tune in to the Deathly Dark mur, Mysterious Murder, Marmur Mysterious Murder, the Mysterious Marmite Tour. Deathly Dime Bars and Mysterious... I've and lost Merman. my mind. But no, let's... T- tell us what happened. Tell us what... When we, in the, we, so we went, we, watched the t- we went to the torture room and then we went to the vaults and then... Oh, in the vaults. Well, if you've ever been in any of the vaults under Edinburgh... So it turns out most of Edinburgh is just like... Got these little basement-y vaults that are like an old route under the city. Some of the shops have portions of it as basements, so I'm led to believe... Um, and some of it is like just abandoned. So the tour goes into a part of the vault that's all wet and dripping. You can hear the water echoing drips up behind you and in front of you. And every corner is dark. and You've no idea what is waiting for you when you walk around them. We were all huddled together in little groups and there's candles every now and then laid out in front of you. And you see things in the shadows and, oh, it's just creepy. And then they took us into, I I don't remember the story. I'm so bad with my memory, as I've said before. But they took us into this little room where there was a stone circle. Do you remember that, Dorian? There was. There was a stone circle and they said that it was a, a witch's circle. That's the one, yes. And the stones had been laid out and it was said that if anybody... When when groups came to visit, the first person to step inside the witch's circle would face misfortune. Oh yes, and then I they were like, that. then they, then the, then the chap said, "Who would like to step into the stone circle?" And who stepped into the stone circle? I think you'll find yeah. everybody was silent. There was an awkward silence, and then he said, "Well, obviously nobody's brave enough." And that's a silly thing to say to you, isn't it? It uh, is. You. You're like I Marty went, oh, McFly. I'll do it. Nobody calls Mrs. Deathly Chicken. Into the circle, closely followed by other people. When yeah, they since you did it, they were like, "Oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> she's she's not exploded." But I tell you what, right. I didn't feel right in there. Mm. No, all for a couple of days afterwards. It was it was there were a lot there were a lot of people tragically died in there. Um, there were you know, there were there were there were dozens, if not hundreds, of people crammed into these these places. A lot of people lived in there. Um, and you know it was cold and wet and damp 
So lots of respiratory things would occur to people and they didn't really have a clear understanding of what it was. But the thing that got me was in the end when he took us into the little side room and he was telling us the story about the the young girl who had uh, tripped and fallen. Um, and when she tripped and fell, it said that she scattered her coin purse. Do you remember this? Yep. And people to this very day hear the sound of a single coin falling against the wet stones. And at that very moment, what did we hear in the room? A single coin. A single coin hitting the ground. And we all had to, I hope we all had to hold hands. We all stood in the circle holding hands and there was that terrible feeling of dread. And everyone just kind of and I remember there was that one pearl one poor girl. I mean it was so dark in there you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. Mm. And she just very softly said, Can I go now? <laughs> she just was like I'd like to go now, please. <laughs> and we all agreed. Everyone agreed. Everyone was like, yes, it's definitely time to go and have a pint, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you ever make your way up to Edinburgh, um, yeah, the old Reiki tours. The, the Edinburgh's a magnificent city. York and Edinburgh are kind of... I, I, you know, I've lived in both for a great number of years, and I I love them both dearly. Um, and there's a definite... I mean, I, you could walk around a corner in York and connect it to a corner in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. And not really know the difference and as a bit interesting modern side note we watched a, a film the other night mrs d and i because we we do we do partake of the modern cinemas from now and again <laughs> and we watched the new will ferrell film the the eurovision film which is magnificent but such a huge portion of it shot in edinburgh yeah unexpected um so we were treated to magnificent aerial shots of the city um to a Scene involving a small Mini Cooper <laughs> drifting its way up Coburn Street, or if you're an American, Cockburn Street. I'll never forget that. I was once stood at the top of uh, Coburn Street and I heard an, an American very loudly just announce, yeah, man, I'm at the top of Cockburn Street. Yeah, in Edinburgh. And I was like, oh, can I murder them? <laughs> like in, Eng- in in York, there is the law that if, if, um, if, if a freeman of the city sees a Scotsman approaching and they happen to be armed, we can open fire. Still exists in the city charters today. I was wondering if you're in Scotland and you hear an American pronounce it Cockburn Street, can you batter them to death with a deep fried haggis? Oh, I'm just wondering about these things. Well, there's a, the haggis neeps and tatty shop is just at the top of Coburn Street, Yum. and that's that's a treat in itself. It's essentially just a big plate of brown mush that's been deep fried. Just eat it with a Mars bar, like a spoon. I'm oh god, I'm getting aroused talking about this. This is like some kind of sensual food channel or suddenly your eyes have gone wide. I can't tell whether because I've said the word arouse on a ghostly podcast <laughs> or whether the talk of a of basically shoveling meat and potato into your mouth using a, 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 a battered Mars bar has got you a little bit hot under the collar, Mrs. D. Calm down, dear. But then there was an extension to that story. The very room we're sitting in now is a small office in the basement of a building in Fishergate and... Um, we, we've been here for some years now, haven't we? Off and on, we've, we've used the building for many things. And we're likely to be leaving it later on this year. We're planning to move house. But I've never, interestingly, been in here on my own beyond a certain time, have I? We call it the witching hour, the but witching that's not hour. correct. Um, Any time after 11pm. 
don't be in here. I have to remind Dorian to mm. come home if he's still at the office because they do like to burn. Scary the things 10 happen PM oil. here mm. after eleven. Mm-hmm. So this is a few weeks after the coin drop in that crypt, and I was sat in here, and there's a there's a there's a door in from the outside that you lead down to from some stone steps. Uh, and then you go through another door into the building. But when there was a point where I used to have my desk, do you remember I had my desk set up in the middle of the room, like a large round table so we could have a number of people working on projects mm-hmm. at the same time and face each other, which meant my back was to the door. And one night I was in here about 10 to midnight and then there was a bizarre sound when a coin fell down the stairs just outside of the door. And it was ex- it was just, and all I could think was, it was exactly the same sound that I heard in the vault in the vaults on that terrible night and I just became overcome with this sense of like dread that I had to get out I had to leave I had to pack up my stuff and and I did I ring you or message you or something I I essentially I ran home you messaged me about 10 messages in the space of a second <laughs> just and then ran the the contact of talking to somebody because I just it was so odd like I didn't see anything I just heard this heard the sound of the coin fall and I suddenly, instantly was like... I and you went to. out the other door, didn't you? Yes, I locked the door leading to the stairs. And I went up into the building, up the flight of stairs and out the other door, which leads out onto the street level. Because I was like, I'm not walking through that staircase. Ugh. I don't know what it is. But all the way home, I felt like something was on my shoulder. Oh, that... No, thank yeah. you. No. That'll do. Yeah. I was always walking. And of course, there's, that, there's the bit where, if anybody knows York, you... Um, oh, what the, what's the road called? It's the one that runs alongside the, the Bowling Greens. Um, Scarcroft. Scarcroft Road, which amazing. Scarcroft Road. And it's all thick tree canopies uh, and old street lamps that are kind of orangey amber. And I was walking through there and it's a big, wide road. There wasn't a soul in sight because it was nearly midnight. And I was walking through all those trees and I just... You know when you have that feeling that someone's behind you and it just kept... And then well, yeah, now I do. I just uh, don't, don't turn around. do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I've never been in here after midnight. Just can't do it. Cannot do it. Won't do it. Won't do it. Was talking to the guy from Paranormal um, Burrito, and he 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 wants me to. He thinks before we leave, I should stay in here one night till late and live broadcast it. So start streaming at eleven thirty, leading up to midnight, and oh. just see what happens. Interesting. Yeah, you stay on your own. Okay, that's fine. Well, I don't know if it'll work because I have been in here at midnight with other people, just never on my own. Mm. Mm. Gross. So this is something we were going to do at the start of the show, but then we got excited and we kind of um, lost slight track of our running order. And I have, as I have, we, we're doing these like live radio shows. We have no intent of editing them apart from to stick the interviews in the middle of them. So everything you've kind of heard tonight has just been like first attempt waffle through um but we're going to talk briefly before we uh, end the show and just talk about what we're going to do next um in the next um episodes and the next tours and streams and stuff we're going to talk briefly about our first spooky memories our first encounters do you want to lead us in well well uh, oh you've about, gone really serious about the you? fifth time i've said this but i don't have a very good memory especially of my childhood i don't really remember anything any particular occasion that stuck out. However, I do remember, I never really talked to anybody about this, but whenever I was at my granddad's house, when I was younger, if I ever found myself on my own, 
my nana died when I was at school and I always used to feel like she was watching me when I was on my own and trying to like make me happy and that that happened quite a few times but it also happened in other places with other people's memories and I have this thing that I do where I talk to the person that I think it is and I tell them to stop it well I have a a full no excuse me could you knock that off please (laughs) yeah pretty much yeah give it a rest and that's what I do at the cinema okay when I haven't told you guys about this but there is a a ghost I believe at the cinema where I work and he's a tall man in a grey suit and he sometimes appears in the reflections of doors when I'm closing them. Don't say too much about him because I think we should I think we should talk about him more in the next episode. Okay. So but what I always say is okay don't do that please. Or if I go into the room and I think there's going to be someone there, not necessarily at work, but somewhere else where it might happen, and I'll say, all right, shh, don't, please. I don't. Just a telling it off. It scares me. And it makes me feel better. And it stops. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. When when we were asking for, when we got kind of inundated with stories and, and you know, people were sending us, you know, one or two lines about things, one recurring thing that we got here in, in, uh, in York uh, was this um, situation where people would have to say hello to the building in the morning. They, they, they'd get in and they, they knew there was something in there and they'd have to go, morning, mm-hmm. good morning, how are you all? Good. Okay, I'm going to open up now. And that would mean that nothing odd would happen that day. Whereas if someone went in and didn't say hello, yeah, it's acknowledging strange it, things it? would happen. Ooh. Okay, okay. I mean, luckily, I've never really seen that because we live in a very modern building. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I have done it in our not in our flat before. The most haunted, yeah. Although it, it used it to be, a, it to used me. to be a, a stone court, a stonemason's yard, didn't it? Mm-hmm, it used yeah. to be a, sort of a breaker's yard. Yeah. So, um, going back to the late eighteen hundreds, so I'm assuming that some, you know, something may have happened there. You never know. Mm-hmm. You never know. There used to be, apparently, um, not to just give away completely where we live, but that there was some kind of relation of that area to the circus. Oh, okay. That was at the race course. So maybe there's a circus elephant ghost. That's very specific. <laughs> Suddenly oddly specific. It's a circus elephant ghost. I mean, sometimes the house does rumble and shake, but it's normally a train going past yeah. at three or o'clock in the morning. Or a circus ghost. elephant ghost. Now, next time the house rumbles, I'm going to be looking for a, a spectral trunk floating by the window. <laughs> Oh, careful what you wish for, because... You never know what you're going to get. No. (laughs) Um, So my first spooky encounter was a really subtle one, actually. Uh, I grew up in Scarborough, uh, which if if you're listening to this and you're thinking, where on earth is York? We should have mentioned where York is. York is in the northeast of England. Um, 
about 50, 60 miles away from the coast, the east coast, and Scarborough was bang on the east coast. It's basically a straight line from here down a little motorway called the A64, and it leads you into Scarborough, and that's where I, I lived for the first, ooh, 18 years of my life, I think. It's a very long time to spend in Scarborough. Oh, um, gosh, but that dragged. It, the great thing about Scarborough <laughs> is that it, it, it was a fantastic little town, um, but in the nine, it, it got to 1994 and then just kind of stopped. It went, that'll do. No, that'll do. That That's enough. Um, I mean, it obviously knew 2020 was on the way, so it went, I'm not interested, actually. Mm, I might just leave that. What's the point? It, yeah, just leave it well alone. Um, but yeah, we grew up in a house that was built in the late 1800s. Um, it was a big, semi-detached house in a place called Fallsgrave, which is... Such a wonderful name for a, a, a little suburb of Scarborough. Um, and my bedroom, I grew, when I was younger, the bedroom was quite close to where my parents was. And then obviously the, as I entered my sort of early, early 11, 12, 13s, I was like, I want to, as most, most younger boys tend to do, you want to, you want to get a, you know, move your room as far away as possible. And there was an old smaller room towards the back of the building but it was built into the back of the house into the back of a hill so you could actually even though you were on the first floor of the house you could open the window and then it was like a two-foot jump onto the hilly bank that was built into and one night i was in bed and it was a very hot night so i'd open the window and the 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 head of the bed was just um, underneath where this window frame was. So there was this lovely breeze kind of coming in over the top of my head. And I was like, ah, oh, this is nice. And a couple of hours went by and I woke up and I felt a pair of hands as if someone was behind me. And it was, they were, they were literally, there were, there were fingers in my hair and they were, they were like, they were gently kind of, caressing my head it was so strange and i kind of woke up like what is happening and as i became more aware that there was something going on i felt the hands become a little bit less affectionate and a little bit more don't move and i lay there for a moment and then they they moved away like this like someone stepped backwards and i was like oh my god obviously half asleep what is going on and I, I i kind of sat up and i i looked out into the the back garden there was nobody there um and i i and it was like four in the morning and i i was just no that'll do i just got up and i closed the window and i went and sat in the kitchen made a cup of tea and i just sat there for like two or three hours just thinking and, I, and obviously i tried to to explain to myself what it was i tried i sat there and was like it must have been that it must have been this it must have been one of those but to this day i can't logically explain what it was mm. Mm. precisely it sounds a bit like the first time i went to the hairdressers and they gave me an unwanted head massage without asking oh no i hate I mean, that's no just got in there yeah and you were just sat there going i don't know why this is happening couldn't say anything though could i no, because it's awkward. Because you kind of—they're about to cut your hair, so you don't mm. want to upset them. So maybe that's what was going on. Maybe a Victorian hairdresser. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's like a Victorian. She was just there. Maybe you know. Maybe just the room we're in now was a hairdresser's. 
interestingly, at one point. Oh, really? Yes, this was a hairdresser's, I believe, um, maybe two or three years before we moved into it. So I've never felt anyone start randomly caressing my head while I've been down mm-hmm. here. I'm very happy to say. Well, there we go. That brings us to the end of our first show. And we were, we're, we were a little bit worried. We were, we, were, we, were, we were a little bit worried, weren't we? That we wouldn't fill up an hour, uh, half an hour. We were like, let's make it half an hour. That's long enough. But we're going to fly in, I think, just under an hour long, which is perfect, I think. Perfect. Because I don't think we want to rush these things too Perfect. much. But we'll put it out and we'll see what happens, I suppose. If you enjoy it, let us know. Do you want more? Do you want less? Do you want it to be longer, shorter, softer, harder, better, stronger? You tell us. Exactly. More head massage, less head massage. Yeah, more more ghost boats, less ghost boats. Tell us, tell us. So, um, yeah, this will be going out on Sunday, the 5th, I believe it will be. Just double check that. Yes, Sunday the 5th of July, and then the next episode will follow on the 19th. But don't forget to tune in on the 12th of July for the next Tales from the Fireplace episode. We'll be doing some ghost readings. Facebook Live. Facebook Live. That's a Facebook Live episode. Uh, Then we're doing the the Deathly Dark and Mysterious Murders Tour on the 26th of July. And on the 9th of August, we're doing something brand spanking new. We're going to be doing a uh, live reading and paranormal investigation of an antique shop on Stonegate in York. And I tell you what, I don't know if that's for me. You are not having a good time, but you need to come with me because (laughs) obviously you are my camera operator. Um, Fortunately. So we'll be having a little bit of an explore and we'll see what's what. Well, there you go. Thank you for joining us, friends. You had a good time, Mrs. D. Oh, I had a lovely, lovely time, time. Darian. Lovely time. I hope you've enjoyed hanging out with us. Please do feel free to share and... I, do, do they do they like it and subscribe it or whatever? Leave us a review, I think. You can do that. You yeah. can leave us a review. Um, let us know if you have a, a spooky story. As always, yes. Uh, let us pictures. know via the old Facebook page. Of ghosts, not just of yourself. There's just selfies coming in now. Selfies of you with a ghost. We'll take those for sure. Mm-hmm. Great. Bye, friends. Goodbye. Bye.